turns out that there were two options either i go into journalism or i go into advertising right and at that time advertising paid more slightly yeah but the more i thought about it it felt like you know you get paid for telling jokes on national television and you get paid to be <laughs> sitting around with your friends watching a cricket match on tv some ad comes on and they laugh and say what a great ad and you're like yeah i did that <laughs> you know and, and just I, i think that really genuinely was what tipped me into advertising honestly i've been a google fan since 2008 i was blown away by the the power of the search engine but also the mission really appeals to me from star wars to a psychometric test called scar that talks about your trigger points from keeping little bit of dispassion to have that completely involved growth mindset all of this and many other things in between is what we learn from today's guest on the absolutely right podcast hi there i am your host aditi sarana i'm a behavioral analyst a high performance coach and founder of india's only mental gym for high performance called apt the website is aptmentalgym.com I have so many updates to give you from our last month. I am appointed as an official high performance coach for Femina Miss India finalist. I am part of the panelists who are training and grooming these girls to be ready to not only become Miss India but represent India on a global level. And I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the absolutely right podcast. LinkedIn selected me as their first 200 creators from India to join and be part of their LinkedIn Creator Accelerator program. I think my dream of making India mentally fit is finding its own way to come true. Cannot wait to start this journey. I'll keep you posted on all the updates. If you want to know more about our updates, then my Instagram handle, which is my name Aditi Surana, or my LinkedIn handle are two best places to find me. Our guest on the show today is Samit Malkani. Samit is currently working as the head of brand and creative marketing for India and Southeast Asia at Google. In today's conversation you will learn some acute observations that Samit has made about people, about working with his team and his journey much deeper as a writer. Make sure that you keep your handwriting sample next to you because as I talk to Samit about his personality based on his handwriting sample, you will get to learn a lot more about who you are and how you think. because absolutely right is all about leadership and graphology so let's get started hi samit welcome to absolutely right hi aditi uh, really great to be here thanks for having me over how curious are you <laughs> fairly i <laughs> guess it's uh, about what am i curious about more than anything else aha uh-huh, okay you don't know what you're walking into so just uh, i would say uh, tighten your seat belts let's get, <laughs> take a ride together and we'll figure out Now yesterday Sounds we were like talking it. about uh, you and your journey one thing that stood out over and over again is your love for star wars unfortunately i can't use graphology or handwriting to talk about it but i thought it would be a great beginning for our conversation tell us about why you love star wars so much um there are many reasons aditi that i really love star wars um i have a lot of memories associated with it i remember first watching it you know when i was a school kid Mm-hmm. uh my dad had bought the original trilogy tapes the video tapes uh way back uh, our younger viewers may not know what those are please look them <laughs> up on google um yes. but i i used to watch it on school nights but i could we could only watch it for 15 minutes at a time because my dinner time would end at 9 o'clock and you mm-hmm. couldn't watch tv during dinner was the rule at home 
Right. So 9 to 9.15, Monday through Friday, I used to watch Star Wars. So, okay. and then finish it on the Saturday. So you literally thought about it throughout the day. And yeah. you watched the movies again and thought about it throughout the day. Oh my God. Pretty much. And um, I fell in love. You know, it's a fantastic space opera. What's not to like, right? Like space, battles, spaceships, creepy villains, mysterious <laughs> powers. But I think, you know, there's something about the philosophy um, of the Jedi Order that really appeals to me and has influenced a lot of my own personal philosophy values. Um, be it about their focus on, you know, always doing the right thing, no matter what the cost. Um, and I've always, you know, I've picked up on that and I've always believed that, you know, integrity comes first mm-hmm. uh, above anything else. Um, it's also influenced me to be a bit dispassionate or help me discover the ability to be a bit more dispassionate. That's um, a good Before we even go ahead, like how can you be in a career like yours, which is competitive, which is like, you know, constantly presenting ideas and still be dispassionate? It's an acquired skill, Aditi. Um, I spent 11 years in advertising before I moved to Google on the client side. Right. And through those 11 years, I've had ideas bombed by bosses, by clients. Um, and that still continues today, right? And if if you get too attached to your ideas, that so attached that mm-hmm. you can't step back and see the bigger picture and really evaluate it without the emotion and without the bias, the unconscious bias that producing an idea creates in you, um, you're never going to actually get it, get better. You're never going to grow. You're actually going to take feedback rather personally um, right. and just hurt and be left licking your wounds versus actually going back and saying, what can I do to make this better and improve the next time? And I think there's a correlation to to what the Jedi are taught in, in Star Wars. They're taught to love. Right. They're taught to care deeply, right. but they're also taught to not be too attached to the material things. Um, and at least professionally, I'm able to practice that, I feel. You have to vacate, you have to leave whenever needed and you would not sit there and think about or like, of course, you would not use attachment or love over anything else. Over your duty, is it? Look, I'm, I'm just going to say this in a professional setting because there's no way of actually being dispassionate when it comes to family and, and your personal relationships. But in a professional setting, if you can't step back and evaluate work, thinking, situations calmly and without emotion, you're not going to get really far professionally. Um, work is full of conflict and struggle and right. ups and downs. And you have to you have to detach your emotions from it and detach yourself from it and evaluate it almost like a third party looking at the situation. Um, and yeah, so that, and that has roots to again, like Jedi philosophy and I'm it's going to looking at your handwriting sample right now. And um, if I have to go and look for the points of evaluation, so there will be two important things. One is the way uh, your letters have pointed formation on the top. So if you look at your letter N or look at your letter M, it has those very sharp points. They make you a keen observer of anything. So if you walk into a room before even you know it, you've observed 50,000 things. And you don't even realize it's your second nature. Only when people ask you specific questions, you do the pattern recognition kind of thinking and you tell people, oh, I say this because ABC or I found this gap because of, you know, these were the gaps in the conversation or these were the words people use. 
you're processing or absorbing that information all the time knowingly and unknowingly and evaluate only when the situation demands you to now that particular aspect cannot be done without taking a step back if you get too emotional about things or if you get completely woven into your own understanding then you start looking at the information with your biases that you already built right but i'm going to explain this and explore this but before we get there can you tell us the process because it is so difficult for people to take feedback without being personal about it what do you have a process do you like you developed it acquired it over the years first i think that's a really astute observation um i haven't thought about observation skills consciously now that you mention it it's interesting just a few hours ago i was in conversation with a colleague and something very similar happened because i was sharing observations over the years on a particular topic that i didn't even i mean that just were sitting in the back of my head somewhere right right um i've always had this knack for picking up useless trivia i have never or like bits of useless information and kind of stitching it together at some point um and i'm not really known that i'm it's it's coming out of observation um so that is you know you're kind of bang on 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 that and it's human insight it's it's data or information that i've seen at some other point and just like stitching it together and i feel i feel somewhere that's the essence of creativity also to just bring two disconnected things together absolutely but but coming to your question aditi on process for taking feedback it's been difficult uh, i remember when i started out in my career i was your typical cocky advertising copywriter could not take no for an answer you know would push back on everything thought i was better than i was right and it's only in hindsight around maybe 6 years into my career that i figured that that kind of arrogance was probably holding me back and i had to be more open to learning and feedback okay. um it's not that i wasn't taking feedback but it was sometimes difficult to get into my head right and i would listen to people i respected but not really listen to everybody giving who offered feedback so if i have to rephrase it will it be correct if i say you would listen to people only if they have proven their worth in your eyes to give you correct. feedback and if they haven't for whatever reason then you yeah. would and it as if your life depended on it yeah and i was very defensive about feedback so um at some point i started to think hey i need to be more open to learning um so let me assume that people are coming and giving me feedback with positive intent mm. and let me assume that um they are doing it to help me learn something new or grow in a particular way Mm-hmm. and let me assume that that skill that i will learn or that feedback that i will take will either make me better or make my work better so you started differentiating you from your work yes and i started differentiating me from the feedback because the feedback i start i started interpreting feedback as it's not a reflection of who i am as a person but it's right. a reflection of um me in a particular moment or a particular context or my work in a particular context so i'm i'm able to look at it slightly dispassionately i'll be honest sometimes it does sting but then when i step back when i when i walk away i tend to reflect on feedback in 
quieter moments not you know just like maybe when i'm moments walking home or you know in the shower or something and it it clicks and it absorbs and it's been a journey to get here but some weeks ago my manager actually told me that she thinks i'm really good at taking feedback and that's i think a long way to have come from early on in my career so sabit when you chose advertising as a career back in the day what was the reason why you fundamentally began because being an introvert kid who loves to spend time by himself and was very creative you could have chosen anything that didn't require so much of exposure and advertisement definitely requires you to hang a lot with other crazy creative people and you know work collaboratively which is not your natural tendency so why one you chose it and what did was there a, a a eureka kind of moment was there like a turning point story that we have here yeah there is actually i was i was actually studying science in college and i was headed towards becoming a you know a software engineer for example uh, computer science those kind of things right. um my my dad is a retired it consultant um and I've, i've had a yeah and i've had a computer at home since i think i was a year old okay. and used to code in basic when i was like 6 or 7 or 8 years old and i i enjoyed coding the right. exposure that i had i'd done the whole niit course and everything the shift came in college uh at some point in college i was the editor of our college magazine the jahind college magazine okay and um i remember one of my professors walking up to me one day professor anuradha siddiqui who was the i think she was the vice chairperson of the editorial committee okay. and she said samit what are you doing heading for a career in coding you have won every single essay competition in that you have taken part in over the last 3 years you've been on you know the magazine editor into college competitions etc you should just be writing and turning that into a passion and we sat down and spoke about it and it turns out that there were two options either i go into journalism or i go into advertising right and at that time advertising paid more slightly yeah but the more i thought about it it felt like you know you get paid for telling jokes on national television and you get paid to be <laughs> sitting around with your friends watching a cricket match on tv some ad comes on and they laugh and say what a great ad and you're like yeah i did that <laughs> you know and and just i, I think that really genuinely was what tipped me into advertising and i i, I pivoted my course my my plans right. um dropped the plan of applying for an mca um and and just went straight into uh communication studies wow and when was the first time you realized that this is the thing for you because you know having an idea of doing a career mm-hmm. and actually jumping there and and figuring it out yeah was- look honestly like um it wasn't in my first days in college in my postgrad but when i started my first internship i was interning at uh, ambience darcy mm-hmm. which is part of the publicis group it's part of publicis now uh, and um i was working with you know a bunch of really senior really talented copywriters and art directors and learning and every minute there was just like oh my god this is it you know <laughs> um i was get, learning how to write in a way that i had never done before i was learning about art direction i was learning about typography i was learning about filmmaking uh, ambience uh, and then i did another internship at low and that just like reinforced it and by then 
you know, we were in our second year of postgrad, so we were in our specialization years, and those that year was phenomenal because, you know, I used to spend my days in college, mm-hmm. and then at night I'd be sitting and working on my portfolio so I could land the job, for out of college. So, it was just amazing, and I think, pretty much in the first week at Ambience, I knew that. This is it. This is it. Yeah. So when did the shift happen? Like you know, instead of being like the agency guy. you move to the other side which rarely people do and not only rarely can they do they rarely succeed in in these areas so how did that happen so honestly i've been a google fan since 2008 uh i've been following the brand since 2008 looking at all the work that they were doing i was blown away by the the power of the search engine but also the mission really appeals to me Mm. um organizing the world's information making it universally accessible and helpful and um you know the brand would constantly be releasing these beautiful stories of people who've used access to information to do wonderful things and then even when they did product work product marketing work um the advertising work that they did with the super bowl ads parisian love um right uh, and you know so much other work across chrome and art copy and code i i just fell in love with the brand the doodles everything um i actually applied for a job at google singapore in 2012 mm-hmm. just sitting out sitting in my bed one night and you know faffing on the google careers site i applied for a job obviously i didn't get it but two years later some recruiter found me maybe found my email my cv in their system or on linkedin reached out and yeah that that was it So for me it was about building my favorite brand from the inside out mm-hmm. and having sat outside the client side mm-hmm. I had started to realize that if you want to make true change you need to do it from inside if you want to take the brand in a particular direction you have to do it from the inside mm-hmm. I was fortunate to get in I've been even more fortunate to have the trust of my managers along the way and my my stakeholders and partners and um yeah they've let me do Quite a bit of stuff. Uh, so tell us uh, about the craziest stuff that you have done in Google. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I I'll frame it as probably the most um, unexpected thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought I'd end up making a movie with Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But I did. Um, oh my god! Yeah. So back in 2016, we released this film called India in a Day. It's India's first. or maybe india's largest if not first crowdsourced feature film um it was directed by richie mehta who went on to do delhi crime uh and produced by ridley scott with um you know folks like zoya akhtar and balki lending their names anurag kashyap serving as executive producers i never thought i would get a chance to to do a movie like wow. my name is on imdb somewhere in the credits of that film and i couldn't like believe that and i i had the fortune and privilege to lead the google team working on it wow it was a it was a very long project it took a lot of time to make happen but it's yeah it it's that's i think the craziest thing i've ever done yeah i never got to meet mr scott himself unfortunately but um i worked with his team and they were just such a fabulous bunch it was just so amazing
On today's segment, the stroke of graphology, I would like to talk about your signature, which is your public image, and your handwriting, which is your personal image. When I talk about public persona and personal image or intimate private image, I'm also referring to Hume's work where he spoke about persona a lot. Now, persona, the way he defines it as we actually wear these masks when we walk into different situations socially, when we are interacting with other people. Because most of us believe the way I am or the way I truly am, I might not be accepted. So I need to follow the social norms. I need to do the right things so that people would not only accept me, but also like me. Let me give you a smallest example. Has it happened to you that you're sitting in your house and you're chilling? It's a Sunday afternoon. You're obviously not dressed properly and suddenly the doorbell rings. The neighbor is on the door and he does not have his keys. Now he has to come into your house and wait there for an hour until his son shows up. You're trying to be polite. You want to make sure that he feels comfortable. You offer some water. You go inside and quickly change into some normal clothes. I'm using clothes as my analogy to say that even with your neighbor who might be hearing some parts of your conversation on a daily basis, you want to make sure that you keep that image proper and intact and wearing your house clothes or not being that properly dressed is not the kind of image that you want to put out have you seen your tone of voice changing when you're talking to a friend and suddenly the school teacher walked in or you're hanging and laughing with your colleague and suddenly your boss walks in what happens the public image kicks in. Suddenly your body and your mind knows that you cannot afford to do things the way you were doing a moment back. And now you have to quickly wear that mask, which we call the public image. Now this public image is crafted, designed by every person in a different manner, depending on who they are, where they come from, what were the fears that they picked on when they were very, very young, because our public image is trying to compensate for all of the script with our behavior which is more contrived and crafted is it a wrong thing to have a, a contrived and crafted public image not really it is not a wrong thing or the right thing but if your signature and your handwriting is really really different then the gap is too steep for you to resume yourself every now and then so keep that in mind and look at your signatures objectively let me get back to our conversation with Samit and in the next segment, I will talk about one principle that you can use while coaching your own team. Let's get back to the conversation. As a high performance coach, I speak a lot about conscious behavioral changes and I think high performers are very, very, very committed to this whole journey. If they find something is standing in their way and not letting them move forward for whatever reason, they take it like, like a project. And until the result is not achieved, they keep trying different ways. So what were your ways? I'm just, I'm exploring this because I know it, it sounds very simple, but it is one of the most difficult things, especially leaders have to do it all the time and they cannot do it and it stands in their way. One of the most recent methods I was taught um, about three years ago was growth mindset. Carol. And yeah, Carol Dweck. And just adding the word yet to something I cannot do or do not know changes your perspective. So, you know, you don't say I am not good at writing. You say I am not good at writing yet. And that 
immediately puts a bit more optimism, positivity to it. And you, if you identify that that's an area you want to work on, it opens a door for you mentally. So I think that has been a useful way to, you know, to actually boost my confidence as well and to get me into the right mindset to try and learn. Nice. Um, the second has been, like I said, assume positive intent. Mm -hmm. So when people tell me that, look, I don't like this particular piece of work that you've produced for X, Y, Z reasons. I think it's, you know, whatever. And I might have spent months on it, but at the end of the day, I could either just nod and ignore their feedback, but I found that, you know, when you're surrounded by smart people, when they tell you these things and you, you can take some of that feedback, apply it, your work does get better. Um, so I, I try to just assume positive intent, even if it's not there and that's very rare. Even if somebody is just telling me stuff to make me feel bad, I will try and say, okay, what can I cull out of this that will actually help me improve my situation? Um, Which okay. is something that you actually began yesterday's conversation with when we were doing a preliminary conversation. You said, I'm looking forward to this, this session or this recording because I will get to learn something about myself. And that was really endearing and vulnerable on your part to say that. Well, like... Um, Integrity is something I hold very dear, but learning is a very close second. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the hashtag TIL on Twitter. Today I learned. Right. Um, right. So I try, it, there's, this, there's this fantastic saying I read somewhere. Um, Every day that you have learned something is a day you haven't wasted. And I, I really try to follow that. Yeah, and, and it could be anything, honestly, Aditi. It doesn't have to be something deep or metaphysical, right? It could be about learning about a new potential agency partner to work with, mm, true. Um, which again happened this morning for me. So, so, so when I when I'm looking at your writing, your handwriting size is unusually small. We we have three sizes in writing. We call it if if your letter A or O is around three to four mm in your in the size, then we call it average. Anything below that is small. Anything above that is a large writing sample. Now, small writing means implies that you have concentration and focus as your superpower. If you decide to put your mind to anything, you automatically come up with it. I'm, I'm using the word automatic because it's literally like a switch. You choose to focus and like a clavier or someone, you just like be focused on that one thing and somehow gather your, your energies, gather your thoughts on that topic. So that switch, is I feel is also what you are gifted with and you have learned that very early on and used it over and over again. Now I'm combining that, that ability to focus with your keen observation and being an introvert. So the writing that is straight and moving slightly to the left. So if you observe long formations like F, B, H, the writing letters are moving to the left side of the page. That talks about somebody being an introvert. Now, introvert mostly is considered as somebody who is shy and who cannot speak or who does not speak. That is absolutely not true about introverts. Introverts are those people who get recharged by spending time by themselves. If they have to go and talk to others, that is spending energy and exhaustion for them. So they require equal intensity with themselves to recharge their battery so that they can come back and communicate. So this has nothing to do with conversation and ability to speak. There's also for our listeners, it's a lot to do with our ability to connect with the other person. 
commit all the three things and by the way on our podcast if you agree with something if you like it you say absolutely right because that's the name of the show <laughs> so then that's absolutely right yes. um i'll tackle the introvert piece first and i i didn't know you could actually tell that from handwriting and even as i'm making some notes i'm seeing the <laughs> slight slant to the left and i'm like hmm but um yeah look i do identify as an introvert it's no secret um it takes me time to open up to people and to form relationships and i do enjoy solitude mm-hmm. um there are times that i feel like i just need to be on my own i i genuinely enjoy long flights alone for work um i could just like do whatever but you know i may not even work on those flights but it's that time to just mentally recharge and by the time i land i feel like i'm in a better place right um or if there are times when i've had you know too much time with like family or friends and like it, it gets overwhelming beyond the point so i do want i i, I love my space yeah so you've picked that up you know bang on and i was mentioning um having taken the myers briggs test and that result is actually intj mm-hmm. uh, which is you know pointing to introvert as well so i'm going to explain your myer brick type indicator this is a test that talks about whether you are an introvert or extrovert and that test has also confirmed the introvert nature that we are talking about yeah yes. um concentration and focus i think it's probably a switch i don't feel like mm-hmm. i'm focused all the time no um I I don't think any I don't think anyone can be like fully focused all the time. No, I didn't mean that. I meant that for you it's a voluntary muscle which means yeah. when you yeah. choose to focus, you know how other people struggle with it or they say I really want to focus but my mind is all over the place. Those are not your problems. Yeah. No, I think that's that's about right. It's also interesting because you know one has this mental picture of focus being you're sitting at a desk all your attention is on one, one document or one thing i don't know for me it's almost like focus is a, about thinking about a problem several times over the course of a day or a week mm-hmm. uh they say that your best ideas come in the shower and i like completely. i hands up i completely agree with it through from my advertising days yeah. and i think it's also because you know when you're thinking about something actively and consciously um your brain starts processing it subconsciously right and then when you wake up in the morning and you go into your shower it's ready to like produce some ideas and i think for me the way i like to think is once i've spent some time in intense you know deep work i go away the problem is lodged in my head and i think somewhere it just starts breaking down mm-hmm. and solutions start emerging and you know it may take me 3 days it may take me a week it may take me 3 weeks but somewhere or the other you know different pieces of the puzzle will start coming together and and solve that so by concentration yeah. and focus i also meant that your ability to pay attention to the minutest details in anything that you do so for people sometimes they miss it you know they absolutely they can't even see it for you whenever you look at say a design or any plan that you're supposed to implement and if you're like going through all the details you would find the gaps going back to the concentration observation and the focus ability so all these faculties are needed for doing the detailed work that you do now i have another question and i'm so curious sure. 
So Samit, looking at your writing and we spoke about being focused, you, you're highly organized in the way you function, uh, you're driven by concentration. For people who are not working at Google, we all have this perception about Google being this playful space driven by chaos and you know constant creativity is, is generated. So is it one true? And how do you, if it is, how do you deal with it? It is true. Look, I think I've, I've been at Google for eight years now. It's the longest I've spent anywhere. And it's a privilege to come in to work every single day at a company that's trying to solve human problems at the scale that we right. are. Yeah. Google has some of the smartest people I've ever worked with. Like sometimes, you know, you're surrounded by people who are so smart, it's almost intimidating. But it's what helps you learn something new every day. And you just get better and better and better over time. And I have no qualms in saying that Google has transformed me as a person, as a professional, you know, whether it's the people I've worked with, my, my peers, my seniors, my, the team that I lead. Right. Everyone teaches me something. In terms of, is it playful? Is it creative? Look, we like to have fun at work, at least me and my team. So there's a lot of banter. There's a lot of laughs in how we work. Right. But when it comes to solving problems, right? And I, you know, my team and I focus on brand and marketing challenges. I think the biggest challenge is to, to make order out of chaos sometimes. Mm. Um, we thrive, you know, we are actually as an industry, as a tech industry in a very complex environment in a very ambiguous environment where things keep changing, you know, the brief that you start working on, by the time you brief the agency, it's probably a little outdated. So then you have to, again, adjust, adjust, adjust. And you keep doing this multiple times till you've landed somewhere, you know, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I think I tend to be very organized as a person. So for me, I don't like chaos continuing for too long. Hmm. Um, so, you know, a few years back, I did this neuro leadership test called SCARF. Okay. S-C-A-R-F, SCARF. It's a model to understand what triggers a response in you and the triggers in the human brain are the usual flight of fight right. responses, right? The, 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 the abbreviation SCARF, the, SCARF, the acronym SCARF stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. Okay. And everyone is triggered by these five attributes to some degree or the other. And this Which test means- helps you understand which means if if you, if somebody steps into any one of these spaces for you you would defend you would get triggered you would react is what it means it could be for example if if you're somebody who's triggered by status mm-hmm. and somebody is not giving you the respect that your status deserves or warrants yeah. then that bugs you you know mm-hmm. if you're a senior person not you know who's not being treated that way or not being given a chance to lead perhaps that right. would trigger you for me my big triggers are certainty relatedness and fairness. And I'll just talk a bit about certainty. Yeah. Um, the first time I shared this with, with the broader team, somebody asked me, how, how is certainty a trigger for you? Because you work with advertising agencies. There's so yeah. much confusion and chaos and things. And I was like, actually, when it comes to working with agency partners, I'm very clear as to how to go about it. I'm very certain in my approach. Mm-hmm. It's this ambiguity here of the problems that we're trying to solve that drive me up. So I need to work to channel it and shape it and organize it better. So you actually become the catalyst for certainty to come in that chaos. It, I, I would say that certainty, that, that the lack of certainty triggers me to try and put things together. 
So you create order because the chaos triggers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I can't stand being disorganized or unplanned. And if my team are listening to this, I'm sorry, <laughs> folks, but this is why, I, you know, I, I like to project plan stuff. Right. Um, but they know this. And um, I really want to kind of just order things and organize things. Which is very interesting because graphologically, uh, creating a specific plan and executing that plan to the T is represented in a letter, lowercase letter F, which means that you would have a well-formed loop that moves to the right on the top side of the letter F. And then you will have a well-formed loop at the bottom of the writing in the letter F. Now, in your case, in most letters, the loops are missing, hmm. which means there is no loop at the top and there is no loop at the bottom. And if it is, it is completely retraced. Okay. Now that's baffling because if I look at this writing, I would say this person naturally does not plan and goes out to look for different strategies or different solutions or ideas. But when it comes to execution, he would give little direction and the, the team or the person that he's delegating to must come with a plan, which is precise. Interesting. So if you're saying I, that you plan and you execute to the T, then I would only say that that is your acquired skill and not your natural tendency. That's very interesting. I'm just thinking about this. So I, I, let me clarify. I don't think I'm the best planned person out there to the sense that I, I make a day plan and day by day I'm ticking off things to, to build okay. towards the final outcome. I don't think I am that for sure. Yeah. Um, what I do like to see is the broad brush strokes of a plan that by X date we achieve Y milestone right? and so on and so forth. Um, I also like to be organized about where I'm spending my time or, you know, what my team is, is where my team is spending their time in terms of, you know, your thought, your observation on giving direction. I think it varies. Sometimes I worry that am I giving being too prescriptive? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do expect my team to, to set a high bar for the work they produce. But because we're in a creative field, you know, we're not going to get it right the first time around. So there has to be a bit of leeway. So I feel like I'm somewhere in between. Mm. But I think when I say creating order out of chaos and, and being more organized with my time, with my task lists and, you know, with my email, um, creating order out of chaos is about, to me, just, you know, it's a nebulous problem space. Mm how do I start like talking to people and start like pulling things together is, is I think where I've, I've built up some strength and maybe it's an acquired skill. Um, it probably is frankly, and it's probably a skill I've acquired here at Google. Which is interesting because when you do not have a behavioral trait that comes to you naturally and you train yourself into it, that requires everyday renewal of that behavior. So you don't naturally think like that. You would wake up and you probably want to not plan. But because now you're training yourself over the years, you make a conscious choice of doing something. So you can't say I am like this, but you know Mm. that I choose to be this. And that makes it even more phenomenal. Any acquired positive behavior that we run with or we choose because of our growth mindset will require renewal periodically. And when people mm. think, okay, now I have reached 
this point now i can relax that doesn't work like that i'm mm. i'm a dyslexic so for me no matter how hard i have trained myself to write and write over and over again it just every now and then like every uh, fifth draft i find that i have made so many mistakes and i'm like but i worked on it and i i gathered my my skill and i crossed that level but it just comes back so you kind of keep checking yourself in the areas which are your acquired skills otherwise there is no way out yeah no that's 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 absolutely right i think and yeah no thanks for sharing i didn't realize that you were dyslexic so yeah hats off for dealing with it i think so i started analyzing handwriting when i was 14 and i didn't know that i could do the pattern recognition due to dyslexia and it took many years for me to realize okay all of this is happening and my brain is functioning at a level that i can't analyze or can't understand obviously then i got trained into the subject and did my international certifications but it was you know it's like that passion that you have from within interesting no that's that's really amazing so samit over to you what questions do you have for me so um couple of things on my mind aditi and maybe i should talk a little bit about you know from a leadership perspective um leadership has been a journey for me mm-hmm. um it's something that you know it's a path i still think i'm on i don't think i'm the perfect leader by far um i think i still have room to improve and to grow and i think um one of the areas that i've been thinking about is how do i build a, a higher performing team you know how do i support as well as motivate and push my team to actually um raise their bar constantly Uh, and i was wondering if there's something from the analysis that you have done that might help me in that direction so three things that stand out for me immediately first one is when you project your future or when you think about an idea or a solution the range in which which you think on an average is around 3 to 4 years in the future now as a leader is it being a visionary is it being an operational problem solver or somebody who is in now in this moment i would say it's the second option you are you are constantly operating from finding the best possible solution you're extremely reliable anything that is given to you people can consider it's done because until that solution is not there you would not breathe you would not take a break you would just make sure that the solution and the problem is solved the solution is there having said that that doesn't allow you to think about how would you like to build things in the future okay. which i feel is essential for any leader who can see the trajectory for the team members where can they go or for for himself or for the project or for the organization and that skill of challenging yourself to think about things in a long run say 5 7 years down the line if the project becomes 35 40 times bigger than what you are handling right now what could be the probable solutions that you can come up with or how can you build a solution that will be still applicable now this thinking requires cultivation it is not your again natural way of looking at it 
There are a few areas, however, where you have been extremely long term. But the, I sense them being more personal than professional. If you have picked a skill as a child, you wanted to build that skill and you kept looking at it in a way that it is a long term skill. Or you mm-hmm. saw that after 10 years, I would achieve this. But just clarify this or explain this. Is it more to do with your personal life and not necessarily professional where you're more open and you're willing to do what your work or your job or your career demands you to? Something to reflect on, to be honest. Um, Maybe I am holding myself back actually from thinking about five years down Mm. and and what it'll mean. It's also, look, there's not an excuse, but I do tend to get consumed by what's going on now. Right. And so when you use the word that cultivated skill, I think that has resonated in my mind and I'm putting that down as one of the things to, to really reflect upon. And you would definitely require people who can show you the possible future that you can create at this point in time. So I I believe that when we are creating and cultivating behaviors, we require a ramp, which most people do not realize. You know how you added Carol's uh, concept of, I am not a good writer yet. Now, the Mm. very moment you add yet, that means you believe that you will start working at it and you will take Mm. steps. And eventually when you are on that journey, you will become a good writer or a great writer. Now, the same thing is applicable when it comes to cultivated behaviors, where when we decide to work on it, instead of saying, okay, am I being a visionary leader or not? We start breaking it down and say, what can I do to create a ramp that would allow me to get there, say, two years down the line? Hmm. Now, that ramp building, when it comes to your own subjective behavior, your own understanding is slightly complicated. So there you Hmm. have to you have to have someone who can actually be engaged with you on this, like having an accountability partner, having a coach, having uh, a colleague who can be a part of it. But this is required. Like doing it by yourself is blinding. Got it. Got it. So when you say ramp building, it means like, what are the steps that I'm going to take? What are the stages? What are the stages? Steps has like you know the the word steps would come with sequence we don't know whether the first stage will be step would be followed by second but when it says stages you achieve something you be comfortable at that stage and from Mm. there you think okay what could be the next stage at which i can function and then from there once you have achieved that then you stand there and then from there you figure out what could be the third stage that you will be building towards because this is a very subjective thing. It is not linear. There are no five steps that you can take to become the visionary leader. You do it, you figure it out, and you realize there are some parts that you're already natural at. So the question I was asking you, Samit, what were the things that you actually had long-term vision towards and you you created them? What was that like? I can point to a few pieces of work that were probably cultivated with longer term future in mind. I can think of at least one or two campaigns and platforms or three that I've developed in the recent years that were intended to see the brand into into the future or or help us build and address problems that I could see coming from a long 
way off. Uh, and I'm actually in the process of building something similar like right now mm-hmm. uh, with with the team. And I, I can't, I don't want to get into it deeply because of confidentiality, but oh. yeah, th- these are just things like you've identified what challenges the brand might face over the next few years. Mm-hmm. And I say few, not not many. Right. But I think your the, the question on scaling it to a larger place is is the right one for me to think about, right? Like, it's not just about identifying those challenges, but how can I think of making them bigger, mm-hmm. uh, making the solutions bigger? Right. And what is like the vision for the team? What is the vision for the work? Yeah, this is a lot to think about. <laughs> On today's segment, Coach the Coach, I would like to refer to the quote I had a few months back on our daily mental Fitbit podcast which is, by the way, a three-minute short podcast every single day delivering you to connect with yourself. I spoke about how personality is a process. I said, what, Aditi, are you not assessing personality all the time and telling people what they are and what they are not, how they think and how they do not? Of course I do. That's what I do for a living. So that is a part as a behavioral analyst, as a part, essential part of being a high-performance coach. So of course I study people. But... If you understand that no matter what you study is not a final idea about a person, it is who they are currently because personality is a process. Have you seen people change when they move from one organization to the other? How can a personality cultivated over 30, 20, 25, 35 years suddenly starts going through a change because the environment is different? I compare personalities with plants. You know, plants are great when they are in a correct environment. But if you do not give them enough sunlight, if you give them more water than needed or less water, more sunlight or less sunlight, more room to breathe or less room to breathe, their personality so-called changes according to the environment that they are into. If the environment is healthy, if it is nourishing, then these plants grow and flourish and give flowers. But if the environment is not nourishing enough, in whichever way you understand, then the leaves start wilting, the roots start getting damaged and the tree does not look as fresh and beautiful as it used to. So when you're dealing with your team members, please remind yourself this over and over again that every person is currently this type of personality. If they are given different environment, different mindset, different training, they can change into different people. We all have seen this happen over and over again. But the problem is because we cannot create this journey, we can't create this progression with our personality, we believe this is a fixed idea. Most of the time people fail to look at their own lives objectively and they cannot understand their personality is changing or evolving. Here, my friend, the key technique for every leader to be successful, observe people. Not because you want to learn something for your benefit, just observe them. If you observe people over a period of time, you see how they are changing and you can correlate what must be causing the change, positive or negative. Now, even if it's a negative change, you know what could be the cause and work towards eliminating it. If it is a positive shift, positive change, then you can look at what elements for your team members work and recreate these elements over and over again. I find people as simple and as complex like a math problem. You have formula, but if the logic is incorrect, 
you can't find the right answer as a leader you cannot afford not to understand and learn about people so if you are still waiting for a sign here is a sign start spending time observing people so that you can understand where they come from how they operate and what exactly goes inside their minds when they make the choices that they do if you do this as a leader it will go with you in a long long run now let's get back to our conversation with samit you know over and over again every time you describe your experience with people you come across as someone who is in awe of awe with how talented they are and how amazing they are and how they have achieved what they have achieved in their lives comparison does not get to you no why do you say that i think uh, i'm comfortable in my skin i i think i know where most of my strengths are and i know where others are more talented mm-hmm. and i'm comfortable with that uh it's not that i can't learn new tricks but they may not be my strongest areas right um so yeah i i'm really comfortable and look it's just amazing because you work with such with such amazing people and the kind of like perspectives you get to hear um and the kind of ideas you're exposed to it just it just right. helps you grow yeah Um, so yeah I, i don't i can't agree with you from... more like every week when i meet high performers like you i feel just having a conversation just having the the slice of life that they talk about enriches the way i look at life and you know and so many times this has happened like every time i'm going to think about this passion now i'm going to think about star wars and you and say am i am i really applying that theory or not and these examples stay with you because people do it naturally or people build their own analogies around it and yeah. just i i call it osmosis just by hanging with people from different expertise you just get to learn so much that you don't even realize yeah no i couldn't agree more i could not agree more next question um leaning into the introvert side mm-hmm. of me and i think one of the areas that i've always struggled with is just confidence in myself from a from a leadership perspective or otherwise um one of the areas that i'm thinking about is stakeholder management mm. you know and how do i get better there um and you know sometimes for me even even reaching out mm. to someone is a mental battle where i'm like should i should i not should i should i not will they think it's a waste of time will they think i'm stupid you know and i've had to force myself to build a habit of saying just write that mail and send it the answer is always yes what's the worst that could happen nobody's going to fire you because you dropped them an email yep. hopefully um <laughs> uh so yeah so anything that like comes to your mind from that perspective confidence stakeholder management how might i like improve there Okay so when it comes to analyzing a situation observing information is a part of it but the other part is being completely black and white about the information when it comes to sorting it in your case and i'm saying this because when you write say your lowercase letter v the bottom part is like the letter u talking about the emotions take over at the point of logic in so many ways now i think this is a strength because that's what makes you extremely empathetic sensitive towards other people's needs 
and at the same time creative because an idea that comes very at a very subtle level you can capture it you're not like putting this oh is it useful or is it not you don't throw it out now that also means that when pe- you when you look at people when you know about them or when you observe them in their own territory if i may say you know what kind of functioning the person has you're highly intuitive so we can't dismiss your insights of that person so when you approach them when you reach out it's it's a constant negotiate negotiation between where you're at and where they are at and is it okay or is it not okay what you think is overthinking is also your evaluation pattern so i would not dismiss it okay and if you give that process some space to happen that it is not my overthinking it's not my self doubt but it's my way of understanding what could be the best possible approach in this case correct and i'm so confident samit because when you start talking to them or when the interaction begins it is absolutely comfortable isn't it most of the time yes so it is not that you are awkward with them it is only when you are negotiating your way in in weighing your options some people don't even weigh those options because they do not observe that much and some people are supremely confident like a producer of the show rashi ganeriwal she can walk up to anybody and speak i can't do that but you know some people have that skill but being an introvert having that skill is extremely difficult and that observation is is you know how how we know that some things will take time or you have to give that much time to yourself instead of saying that is a problem if you realize this is your warming up mechanism you won't mm. be this hard on yourself got it okay so you think basically i should just let that happen let that happen. till i found a space of comfort and then reach out and start a conversation because i'll have overcome that yeah i'll also give you an example here i am an introvert and it doesn't come across because you talk so much and you know the shows all of that but initially when we started absolutely right i used to get awkward in first 10 minutes when i met people mm. because i was meeting them for the first time the, the team spoke with the guests and I, I i had no clue i knew their handwriting so i knew them very well but i didn't know them so that warm up time started showing in our conversations and that felt little uncomfortable so we created this process where we said okay let's do a call where the guest gets to know you but most importantly mm. you become comfortable so when we are at the recording you're not like dealing with your own awkwardness so it is embracing the part that okay i will be awkward that's how i'm wired instead of fighting it you create systems that just allow you to do that got it okay now that's that's fantastic advice another thing you function very well when you are thrown into the deep end of the pool you know how to swim back most of the time possibly um yes, yeah i guess my peers yes, and manager yeah will yes, probably on that <laughs> <laughs> okay cool i will take that as an absolute uh, imperative so when you when you think so much and you you try to build this all you require is someone creating a situation where you are confronted with that problem and you will resolve it that is the one skill samit no matter whether you were uh, writing copy whether you were handling team or you were exploring new options with other agencies this is what you are amazing at and i'm also saying that because i called you 
a solution oriented result oriented person i'm saying that because when you write your lower case letter t it is mostly cut at 50% so the horizontal line is placed at the 50% of the letter that talks about someone who is committed to solve the problem come up with a solution and and get the end result in hand that's very interesting so if you want to that talk to somebody if you really want to build that conversation and you will overthink and you accept that part embrace that part but also have a system a process where you will be thrown into the situation because more you do that you will figure it out it it's interesting that you call out the commitment side it it's something that actually showed up when i did my clifton strengths analysis some months ago mm-hmm. uh, responsibility i think is how they frame it yep uh, and that showed up really high and that is that is true that is very very true i i do take my responsibilities really seriously maybe sometimes too seriously <laughs> obsessively yeah. about it but yeah, i i <laughs> yeah now so sabit if you have to look at your journey uh, you know as a creative person more than only a leader i would say what are the three things that only samit can teach us take calculated risks in your career is the first thing i would say and especially early on i did take some calculated risks by moving from traditional advertising into digital advertising at a time where digital was still looked down upon not really you know right. um, the flavor of the of the month um and i took some risks by going into different kinds of digital setups yahoo literally doing sales strategy and brand solutions and content and performance marketing jack in the box doing content social media creative talk worthy work um hansa security doing data driven you know crm kind of work um and all of those taught me different skills which helped me honestly get to where i am to right. help me get into google and help me stay and and grow mm-hmm. uh, i think so take calculated risks the worst that will happen is that you'll go back and say hey i'm going to i want to just go back to my old job mm. and if you've done well in your old job you'll get it back in a jiffy you know for the most part um that's one um the second is you know uh, it's easy to say when to think that when you are focusing on development you should focus on your weaknesses mm. my learning over the last year year and a half has been to focus on my strengths nice um and to focus on where i'm probably one of few people who could really help in within my organization you know um or unique within unique skills that you might have uh, to serve your organization and your team best um your weaknesses yes you can find ways to you know to mitigate them like you said there are some acquired skills and there are some natural skills and i would i would actually urge you to urge folks to discover your natural strengths and superpowers and really double down on those um and make those the cornerstone of your career um i've made some decisions over the last year that based on this this thinking and i'm i'm grateful that i did and i'm grateful that i was allowed to lastly i and i can't stress this enough i think the biggest thing that i've learned so far in my life and my career is try and do the right thing always um lead with integrity first no matter what the cost the world isn't the happiest place right now to live in but it needs more people who'll do good and do the right thing and not lie cheat steal their way be um, the top yeah and and generally don't be a, a bad person um i may not always get this right but i do hold that as my core principle 
and that goes thanks to jedi and experiences yeah that to the philosophy yes um uh you know hard learned lessons thank you so much for joining us on the absolutely right show i think today we we spoke about creativity and also advertisement and the work that you do in a different light and the empathetic and human approach uh, to leadership i'm going to ponder a lot about it no thank you for having me and like this has been a fantastic conversation um genuinely appreciate the advice uh, that you shared and the insight like i felt like i have learned a lot about myself today um and there's a lot for me to chew on uh so thanks so much for having me over uh and thanks rashi for facilitating thank uh, this was really great thank you thank you so much for being part of one more episode with absolutely right podcast if you have any questions if you think you would like me to ask these questions to our guests who are high performers in their own right please write to me my email id is right w r i t at aditisurana.com our graphology masterclass batches will start soon so if you are keen if you want to learn a bit about yourself and especially a lot about people around you then make sure that you check out our website aditisurana.com in the graphology section we talk about the masterclass i'll see you on wednesday with one more episode of the absolutely right podcast till then happy writing